Welcome to episode 100 of the NeverEnding Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. Jason Farky Farkas is here with me. No Sean Z tonight, but Farky, we've made it 100 episodes, and we haven't killed each other, and we also haven't gotten any real sponsors yet. So we're doing something right, I guess, kind of. Well, it's, uh, it, yeah, I guess we've done a little bit right. We lost the Monday Night Man, though, who used to be a staple of fantasy football mm. bots. And, mm-hmm. um, I didn't get into it the first few years, but uh, I've been jumping in here now and had a blast with you guys. A hundred episodes, though, that's, that's pretty impressive. And the clicks are climbing, and you're still getting uh, followers on the uh, Twitter handle. So, yeah, so, something more right than wrong, I would say. Yeah, we still, you know, I'll, I'll definitely say this. The first two years, so this is our third year of doing the football, the fantasy football podcast. We've kind of went, you know, the first few years we tried to figure out, feel ourselves out, what we wanted to do, what we were good at, what we were bad at. We tried doing basketball for a little bit. That ended very poorly. Um, we tried doing uh, TV shows like Game of Thrones. That didn't go over very well either. Um, but we think we really uh, found our niche in the fantasy football podcast, and I think that's definitely been our success uh, the past Ten episodes, you know, of, of this this 2018 season, we've seen our our listener numbers increase dramatically. Uh, so thank you very much to all the lis- listeners on the internet and over in Lithuania, whoever's listening to us. I don't care. Just keep on hitting play. I don't care if you're just downloading our episodes to uh, the different iPhones and iPads on display at, at Apple stores. Whatever you do, you're doing it right, and we're going to keep on continuing bringing you on hot takes and content uh, to help you win your fantasy football matchups. And uh, Farky, we're getting to the point in the season right now, Week ten, where it's really you're, you've already known pretty much if your teams make a break. Um, if you're in a redraft league, you're, you're trying to make the playoffs, or you're trying to play spoiler uh, to make sure your your fellow league mates don't make the playoffs. Um, or if you're in a dynasty league, you're selling off all of your assets in order to look towards the future, or you're overspending for vets like Rob Gronkowski. He end up on that one uh, to try to put you over the top for the 2018 season. But um, in a certain league from the Ville, it looks like you're playing spoiler after the absolute spanking I gave you in Week 9 thanks to uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chicago Bears defense that pretty much outscored your team. Um, we have a bet going on in our league, too, where you're not going to come in last. How are you feeling about that bet? I, I feel all right about the bet. Look, it's my team is not very good, and I... I kind of reached on a couple running backs at the draft. That was the, I guess that was the point of emphasis for the bet about me finishing last place. But Monday Night Man and Sean Z said it best when they supported me on that bet, and that's the fact that I'm not going to be one of those guys that just lays down, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't work the waiver wire anymore for the rest of the season, doesn't pay attention to anything or who I'm starting. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to have somebody on a bye week starting. I'm fighting Sean Z right now for last place. The last three weeks we've just slipped, slipped flipped back and forth on last place due to points. He's now ahead of me based on one more win, thanks to you, Prick. But, <laughs> um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, that's a tough one to swallow because in Brownstown, Sean Z's commissioned league, I'm a Patrick Mahomes owner, so it's, mm. it's hard for me to root against him. I call that Ninja Turtle face, uh, half happy, half sad. If you remember <laughs> the figurines, uh, yeah, you're going against him, but you also have him. So you look at the league that you're doing better in, and, and, and hopefully you have him in that league, and it sounds like you do. Um yeah, no, I, and I appreciate people like you who are looking to to take down everybody else. And, and it's not so much just because we have a bet going on that you come in last, but it's all about pride. As simple as that, it's all about pride. And last year, uh, my squad really struggled. Uh, my draft was absolutely terrible. And you know what? 
I knocked a few people out of the playoffs the last two weeks because I, I worked the waiver wire and I did my best to make sure that I was still going to field a competitive team. So if you're listening to this right now and you feel like your team isn't going to win a championship, I still urge you to make sure that you continue to work on bettering your team. Uh, and also, too, what I've noticed about this, a, a perfect example was um, I picked up Larry Johnson back in like 2004, 2005 or something like that, a long time ago, the end of the year. Just because I was still playing or whatever, and I saw him play, I focused on Larry Johnson, and I watched him play as much as I possibly could, and this was before the days of Red Zone, Direct, Direct TV, Sunday Ticket, so you were lucky to get their games if you're out of market. If I didn't watch your game, I paid attention to the box score, and that led me to draft him the next season, and I think it was, it was the next season where he had like the Hall of Fame level year where he put up like 2,000 yeah. total yards. 25 touchdowns or whatever, and that led me to a few victories. So, you know, still right now what you're able to do is if you focus on those players um, <clears throat> that are available on the waiver wire now, we'll talk about those guys throughout the podcast, then that will allow you to help uh, get you ready for next year, I think, because it will allow you to focus and do your own scouting on those guys. So don't roll over and die. Uh, definitely make sure you can do everything you can in order to be competitive for 2018 for the balance of the year, even if you are probably out of the playoff uh, contention. And a perfect guy that you can potentially take a look at, Farkey, is Des Bryant, who today just signed with, or on Thursday, we're recording on Wednesday night, Thursday he's going to sign with the New Orleans Saints. And while I think it's going to be a while, and he might not have a huge impact on fantasy football this year because it's going to take some time for him to get up to speed, he should slide in as a wide receiver three in uh, New Orleans, which will you know be the de facto fourth option behind Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Traquan Smith. Um, if you are a fantasy football player, which obviously you are if you're listening to this podcast, Farkey, what are you doing when it comes to Des Bryant uh, this year? I like the move with Des Bryant here. I know we're talking specifically on fantasy, but if you're if you're looking at the Saints, they obviously felt some pressure to capitalize on their starts. Uh, what are they, 7-1? and one. Yep. Um, so whether or not they expected to be there, they're there now, and I think that they're going to try to solidify him as a, a consistent number two receiver, which they haven't had all year. So I like it. Uh, I think he's he's not a guy who's lost it, which is the reputation he's gained for the last year or so, that he's, he's lost a step or – um, he, he's not the guy he used to be. He, he was a terrible cap hit for Dallas. We all know that. He battled through some injuries. Um, if you're Double J or Jason Garrett, I think if you're being honest with yourself, uh, probably the last two years they've had a pretty predictable offense, and that's hurt him. Mm -hmm. He's been the go-to guy. Um, they've, they've tried to you know rotate some younger guys in, um, some some quick little guys, kind of similar to what the Patriots is, like with Cole Beasley and those types of players. But at the end of the day, I think it was pretty apparent what was going to happen. They were going to target Des Bryant. So he's had to battle that along with the injuries. And he was never a burner, um, not even at Oklahoma State. He doesn't take the top off the coverage. He's muscle guys, right? He's he's the end zone guy that you know that they're going to go for. He's going to out-muscle you. He excels on short and intermediate routes. Um, so that's that's really my thoughts on him. It, and he doesn't have to be any of those things in New Orleans. They've got, you know, God's gift to wide receivers right now, Michael Thomas. And, you know, he's going to be the guy that's going to probably reap some benefit from him going over the top and, and pulling the defensive backs down the field and, and do the short and intermediate stuff, probably similar to what Larry Fitzgerald might have had a little bit with last year in Arizona and the success he had. So what do you think? 
I like it as a move just because they really have nothing behind Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith. Uh, even Traquan Smith hasn't been consistent. He's he's flashed at times, but he has not gone open consistently. My one concern with bringing Des Bryant in is just how he interacts with the locker room. Um, we saw, if you guys watched All or Nothing, which is uh, the Amazon Prime version of Hard Knocks, except it goes through it the whole season, not the preseason, Dez is a pain in the ass. He's a prima donna wide receiver. Um, and that, I think, is got to be a concern when looking at a team that's 7-1 and one and is really at the top of the NFC or, or neck and neck with the Rams. So that's my concern. However, I still think he has talent. I think a lot of his struggles are not because of he's getting older, he can't separate. Like you said, he's not a burner. He's just always been a physical receiver. I think a lot of his, his issues has been, been Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott's very good. I've never have thought he's very good. Well, Double J just said they're, he's getting extended, so they better well, be ready for it. Well, <laughs> Double J also was pounding the table for Johnny Manziel, so <laughs> that that tells you what, what Double J is all about. He's all about the flash. Um, and he, Double J's also employed Jason Garrett for, what, like 10 years now, for, for Christ's sake? So um, I, I, I see the reason why they brought him in, because I think they do need a wide receiver. I have concerns about how he interacts with the locker room. If he's there just to shut up and play, then I think it's a great move for him. Again, I don't think it's going to be a great fantasy football option this season because I think it's going to take a little while for him to get going. He's obviously missed the whole season. Um, he didn't was not there in preseason uh, in Dallas, that is. He didn't go to training camp, nothing like that, because he got cut due to the cap hit. So it's going to take him some while to take a while to get his football legs underneath him. But uh, if he is able to come in, play football, I think he can be a very solid option for the Saints in the playoffs. Now, of course, in the playoffs, it's well after our fantasy football leagues, so uh, he won't help us too, too much. But in one league where I had an empty roster spot because I had Capri Bibbs, who I'm dropping after this week, even if, even if Chris Thompson has come back, Bibbs was like my fourth or fifth running back, I picked up Des Bryant to be my last bench spot just in case because he still has the track record. He's got the resume. He's got the talent to still be a, a, a fantasy football option. Will it actually happen? I don't know, but I'm willing to take that risk for my last bench spot. Related to that concern, though, um, you know, with his reputation, here's here's why I'm not as concerned with New Orleans is because they have Michael Thomas. So I think mm-hmm. even someone like Des Bryant can be rational enough to know that that Michael Thomas is the guy. He's the guy not only on that team, but in terms of the NFL, or at least right at the top. And if he was going into a situation like maybe Detroit, I think he, he could, you know, rationalize for himself to demand more. But here, I think it's pretty cut and dry what the expectation is going to be and what he should expect. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You're right, because he'll have a strong voice in Drew Brees in Sean Payton telling him, this is what's going to go on, this is how it's going to happen. I don't want to directly correlate this to the Josh Gordon signing with the Patriots, but it's it's, it's similar in in the regards to you have two vested veterans of the NFL saying, this is how we do business, and take it or leave it. And if, if it doesn't work out with Dez, they can easily cut him. So I think that's probably – it's probably well known. I'm sure that was the first thing that Sean Payton said to him when they were when they, they brought him in for the interview. And so if he's on board, like I said, I think it's a great move for them. I think that it's only going to help them – I don't know if they can – obviously they beat the Rams at home. I don't know if this makes them better than the Rams if they have to travel to L.A. in the playoffs. 
but I do think that um, it can only help them. You well, know, and Andy, ben, Andy Benoit from Monday Monday Morning Quarterback, uh, he released a Twitter statement that said, all the Saints have done is replace a slow wide receiver at Cameron Meredith with a slightly better slow receiver. And I don't agree with that. Whatsoever. I don't either. No, I don't either, yeah. So, Cameron Meredith, again, you go back to the track record. Dez has a track record of being a double-digit um, touchdown wide receiver. He has been... He's been a wide receiver one. He's been a top 15 guy many times in his career. Cameron Meredith is, is – <laughs> he's Cameron Meredith. Exactly. You know? so, all right, let's move on. In fa- uh, absolutely. Um, so, week nine, um, we'll go over it real quick. But there was one team that uh, we've talked about a bunch here, Farky. It's the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they played well. They beat the Lions this week. Lions were without Golden Tate and – to be honest, they really missed him. I still do not know why they traded him. Uh, the, the Vikings defense was able to get 10 sacks on Matthew Stafford. Now, the one streak that was almost as magnificent as the Undertaker's 20 straight WrestleMania wins or whatever it was, was Adam Thielen's eight straight games of 100 yards receiving. It finally got snapped. Got he had, I think, four catches, 22 yards, but he got a touchdown. So he still had a great fancy or decent fancy football week. We've talked about Adam Thielen at length. Um, we've argued Thielen versus Diggs. You know, we've mentioned Diggs always gets the the tougher cornerback challenge. Diggs was out this week with bruised ribs, and that meant Thielen saw all the attention, and we saw four catches for twenty two yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, do you want to kind of take a victory lap here, Farky, or, or you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a, a bit of a flawed example because it, I don't mean this is a smart-ass way, but did you watch the game? Not, no, I actually did not. Okay. D- Detroit was hell-bent on stopping him. It was clear from the beginning. So it, it's really hard to see how that really relates to what I've always defended with Diggs, that he draws a tougher matchup because they were literally throwing everything at Thielen, which is, is not what Diggs gets. And so his impact was reflected in that. And then also they won 24 to nine and the game was never in doubt. Um, like you said, they had 10 sacks. Uh, Detroit was never moving the ball. Their offense was stalled almost every possession. Um, hell, Minnesota only had eight third downs. So that tells you what they're doing, moving the ball up and down the field. Um, so it, it'd be interesting just if they were both on the field and the opposing team just flipped their game plan and kind of gave him the tougher matchup. I'd like to see that, but I can't really take full credit. A little bit, but it, it wasn't realistic. Okay, that's fair. As a as a Thielen fantasy football owner, again, I did not was not able to watch the game. I feel better about that. Um, I just saw the box score. Obviously, I saw the touchdown. I was happy with that, but I saw the final box score, and I was very disappointed with a you know five and a half yard per reception. But again, it seemed like a very weird game, uh, just well, from from an outsider. Um, well, and also to tell you that it really wasn't. It, it wasn't. A reflection of what he was or wasn't doing. They did pretty much anything they wanted to do offensively. So you look at Treadwell, Rudolph, BB, Robinson. BB barely made the team. He was playing in that rotation at three catches for 21 yards. Cook had four targets. Murray. It's yeah, a bad example. Not a good, not a good game to use. Don BB's son is making yeah. <laughs> is, is playing for the Vikings. So uh, our friend Butler, who is a is a Bills fan and also a Laquan Treadwell owner. Um, and our dynasty league was saying, you know, it was bitching because Don Beebe's son was playing over Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> that's just that's just how Treadwell's career has gone. Um, but you mentioned Dalvin Cook, and it looks like he might be back to form, and he has another week of rest due to the bye. So, 
I think he had seventy nine. He had a seventy yard run, and then I think he finished with eighty uh, something yards from scrimmage, or maybe actually over hundred yards from scrimmage. Uh, but in the end, he looked like the guy that was being drafted in the first or second round in fantasy drafts. Do you think that with this extra week, uh, with the bye, that possibly he could be back to the RB one ways that we saw before he went down with his ACL injury last week or last year? I do. I do. I, and I've liked Dalvin Cook from from the beginning since the draft. What I did like about that game is he looked healthy on that 70-yard run. Anybody in the league that scores, especially from the tailback position on a 70-yard run, has to show some flashes of some speed. So he had that. What does concern me is, again, kind of like the Thielen thing, it's a bit of a bad example because the remaining workload that he had was 9 for 19, which is a very Saquon Barkley-esque game with a 70-yard touchdown run. So, uh, But I, I do think he's healthier now, and this isn't going to be the – you know week-to-week numbers that he's going to put up. He's more of a four-and-a-half yards per carry guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you'll start to see Latavius Murray take a back seat in that offense with Dalvin Cook making his return. Interesting note, the uh, Vikings actually signed Amir Abdullah, who was cut by the mm-hmm. Lions today. So um, Nick Verne loved, actually did not like that move. He wanted uh, Abdullah to go to a team like the Eagles or the Patriots, but that wasn't the case. Nick Verne uh, owns him in our Dynasty League, and he has uh, been heavily invested in him in the past for the past three years. But uh, I, I have one more question, too, about the Vikings before yeah. we move on. You know, is Kirk Cousins, is he a Super Bowl-caliber cal- quarterback? I think I saw your question on our uh, prep sheet. And yeah, I, I think he's certainly capable of leading them to a Super Bowl victory. He's having an incredibly efficient season. And, uh, you know, really, he just – I think – People always used to use Alex Smith as the example of, you know, he just is steady Eddie, just runs the game plan, gets the job done. I think he's similar to that, but on a higher level, I think he has he, – he, he throws a little better ball, mm-hmm. and he takes a few more chances downfield than what Alex Smith used to take, which is why you see the, the higher yardage, more touchdowns, things like that. But, again, he's having an incredibly efficient year. His best statistically, not only from – yardage and touchdowns but also from interception touchdown ratio um qbr things like that so um as long as he's got digs and uh and thielen what's that guys yeah thielen uh he'll be just fine and it with cook getting healthy yeah they're, they're in a prime position to make a run yeah i agree i'm a big cousins fan i was high on him uh going to the draft this year i felt that he was criminally undervalued as a you know qb 10 overall in drafts I thought that he was clearly, you know, he was a, a, a about QB ten, QB nine last year with the Redskins, and they really had nothing at wide receiver. You give him Thielen and Diggs and Rudolph, and and all of a sudden he's he's still the same guy. You know, everybody says it was a system, but uh, I think you know he he is. I do I do wonder sometimes because he can kind of get caught up in the moment. I feel like I think that there's some games he disappears. But, again, that kind of happens, I think, with really everybody at some point or another. So as long as he puts up those those high-end numbers somewhat consistently, I agree with you that I think that he can lead this team to the Super Bowl. And I also think that with that defense, with Everson Griffin coming back, the pass rush getting after it, really he just has to be slightly above average. If he can be you know, one of the top – five quarterbacks, top six quarterbacks in the league, that's just icing on the cake. And that's only going to help them. Even, and, and then you throw in Dalvin Cook. And I, I be, be, be weary of this Vikings team come playoff time. I really think that they could be a huge Super Bowl contender. And as much as I like the Rams and Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Sean McVay and everything that they're doing, doesn't it just feel like that 
they might just blow it once crunch time comes and, and, and a team like Minnesota or Atlanta or New Orleans who's maybe just a little more seasoned could could kind of overtake them when it when it's all said and done? Well, Minnesota's, I think, not only Cousins, but their team in general is completely undervalued right now, and that's mostly because people fell off of them early because their defense was just a complete abortion, and now Zimmer's got them back on track. So right. I, I agree with you. They're, they're a team where probably even come playoff time, we're not going to be talking about somebody to nip someone else. They're going to be right there in the discussion with everyone else, like the Saints and the Rams. Okay. All right, before we head into Week 10, we have one more topic we want to talk about. Two wide receivers removed at the trade deadline or right before the trade deadline. Uh, Demarius Thomas traded to Houston and Amari Cooper traded to Dallas. Both guys made their debuts in Week 9. Demarius Thomas, three catches, 61 yards, and Amari Cooper on Monday Night Football, five catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Farkey, anything to, to comment about from both these guys' debuts with their new teams? No, not much. I'll let you kind of jump in on it other than my only comment would be they both kind of ended up where I expected. I thought uh, Thomas just didn't wouldn't have enough time to really get deep into the playbook, which it appears he didn't. He had the you know early catches, ended up with three for good yardage. I think he had the one longer catch. But uh, Amari Cooper, touchdown, wasn't necessarily expecting that, but I did think that they were going to go at him and try to get him as involved in possible, as possible. Um, that that team just sticks right now. So um, his output was was right around where I thought it'd be. The touchdown definitely helped. So I think, especially with Amari Cooper, you can count on him to be a wide receiver too based on what they've shown they're going to try to do with him last week. Yeah, Amari had a great touchdown, a uh, double move on Malcolm Butler, who Malcolm Butler is making Bill Belichick look like a genius right now because Butler – is just getting punked week after week. Um, great play by by Cooper to get open and score that touchdown. The yardage wasn't great, but the catches were there. Five catches is pretty solid. Um, and, and that's a testament to the fact that he had one more week because they had the bye, uh, the Cowboys, that is, last week. So he was able to have one more week of practice and get the playbook under his, under his, uh, under his wing. But with Demarius Thomas, he looked great early on. And the big reason for that was because those plays were scripted. Once you got into the fourth quarter in crunch time, there was one play where he went into motion and kind of looked at Deshaun Watson and shrugged, like, what am I doing? And Demarius Thomas actually called timeout. And that was just a testament to this guy does not know the offense yet. He's been in Houston for four or five days. Um, and, and that, I mean, that's you gotta you got to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, it's hard for, for a guy to pick up a brand-new playbook after being with Denver for eight years. And now he's on a bye. And I feel supremely confident that they're going to find a way to make sure that he learns this playbook and make sure that he is in a position to be successful because I think he is a perfect wide receiver, too, for this Houston Texans team to line up alongside Demarius Tom, or, um, DeAndre Hopkins. And Case Keenum, you know, Deshaun Watson is a huge upgrade over, over Case Keenum. This Texans team, another team to watch out for in the playoffs. The defense is solid. The defensive line is between Clowney and J.J. Uh, Watt. Their secondary is in trouble, but between Clowney and Watt, that defensive line can get after the quarterback. Their offense is, is starting to click at the right time. Uh, again, a team to watch out for. And obviously, they'll get into the playoffs because the AFC South is, is mediocre. Uh, come playoff time, you know, can Bill O'Brien outduel? The other AFC foes, like, you know, if the, the Chargers make it, if the Patriots make it, we'll, we'll see. But it's uh, I do like Demarius Thomas moving forward. I, I mentioned that I did not want to start him last week, and I did not start him in two leagues because I was not, I was not uh, 
confident that he'd be successful. And, you know, he put up three catches for 61 yards. Good, not great. Um, but moving forward, absolutely. I'm starting. He's a must-start every week moving forward. Uh, at week 10 and week 11 and on, because he's on a bye this week, he will be my starting lineup. And uh, I'm expecting wide receiver two numbers from him. Is that is that out of line, or you think uh, wide receiver two numbers are, are expected from him? No, I think at this point it's expected. We mentioned it on the pod last week. I think we were all in agreement that this is a better situation than what he's – what he was going to be in moving forward in uh, in Denver. So, yeah, I, I right. agree with that. All right. So, let's talk Week 10, Farky. We have the Baltimore Ravens on a bye, Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, and the Minnesota Vikings. So, again, some big names who will be out this week. So, we'll talk about all those guys you might be able to replace those players with. If you check out www.negpodcast.com, you can find our waiver wire article which will tell you all of our top waiver wire picks based on whether injuries happened last week or you need a guy for a buy. Here, pick up this guy, start him. If they, trade targets as well or is, in the, is in that article, so feel free to check that out. But week 10, the Carolina Panthers are going to Pittsburgh for a Thursday night game, which will actually be should be somewhat exciting. I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. Generally, I don't look forward to Thursday night football, but this looks like it should be a good one. Finally. Le'Veon Bell, speaking of finally... <laughs> Unless a miracle happens, he he ain't coming home. Le'Veon is not coming home. It looks like is he going to sit out this whole season, Farky? At this point, I don't have a freaking clue what he's doing and what his motivation is. I to your question, I think so. Yeah, I, I think he's that stupid. Whoever his group is, his entourage, what whoever is around him, he's getting terrible, terrible, terrible advice. Yeah. Uh, he has to be able to see what that offense has contributed to his success with James Conner's success. And I, at this point, I mean, these guys all talk about at the end of the day, most of them have, have pretty professional agents who you would think would be telling him, now look, it's about making some money now. It's about turning your head and doing the right thing for your career and financially. Like, it, it, this is not middle school you didn't make the team and then the next year you got a lot better and you've got like this chip on your shoulder this is suck it up and go play yeah what what do you think agents make is it four percent five percent of the the annual value of the contract it's it's a majority sorry it's somewhere around that it all depends on the agent someone like what's his name rosen yeah he probably gets eight nine whatever but yeah all right Le'Veon, say it's five percent that's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars that you would be paying your agent this this year. Give me fifty grand, and I'll tell you the best the best advice you can have. Show up, week ten, collect your paycheck, get a million bucks a week. Because guess what? James Conner is going to start there, whether or not you are in the locker room or not. I mean, simply put, it's James Conner. James Conner has been dynamic, fantastic, really good. They don't need Le'Veon Bell. That's why I don't understand why they didn't try to trade him. I understand, yes, he has to sign his franchise tender. That's fine, whatever. But say to him, hey, we're going to you know, sign your tender. We'll trade you to San Francisco. You can, you know, whatever, get 20 touches a game and, and, and try to bring your value back up for free agency. What he's done is every week that he has sat out, he has, he has limited himself in what he can do moving forward because yeah. I probably used a bad example, but 
you know, if he would have just got back on the field after the first three or four weeks, even though Connor had had some success, there still would have been, you know, some debate on what they should do. But now, sure. I agree with you. He's not playing. No, no. And he, he, even if he if he comes back, the Steelers will say, go home. Yeah, we'll pay you a million bucks, but go home. we got a good thing going on right now. We don't need you. We don't need you. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. More on, more on. But he did show, I'll give him this. He showed up and made his money on the bye week. He did do that. Did he? Yeah, he was there. He was. He showed up at the facility. He got but paid $850,000. No, see, I don't think he did. He didn't get I, signed. He still hasn't signed the franchise tender. That's oh, the thing. it wasn't just show up. He had to yeah, sign. Yeah, he's got to sign the tender. He hasn't signed it. He, he showed up I to LA you. Fitness to play basketball, and he was looking a little... He was not looking svelte, let's put it that way. Very yeah. grainy picture that came out. But um, but anyways, let's talk about this game. Obviously, play everyone. What do we yeah. say? Play everyone. <laughs> I love that 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 theme. Hashtag play everyone. You know, you got Christian McCaffrey who came on last week. Cam Newton who struggled a little bit but got a touchdown late in the game. Uh, Greg Olson, he's a leg- he's back to being a legit TE one every week. Um, so play him on the Steelers side of the ball. Obviously, you're playing Big Ben. Antonio, Juju, Connor, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a good week for uh, for Thursday night football. I'm looking forward to that game finally. I was not looking forward to the Oakland-San Fran game last week for obvious reasons. And we'll talk about the uh, the breakout star from that game. But, uh, yeah, start everyone. Not really a lot to talk about in this one. But uh, the next game where it's start everybody from one team, that's the Arizona Cardinals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Arizona's heading to Arrowhead. This is going to be a bloodbath. It looks like Sammy Watkins is probably going to miss the game. Surprise, surprise, he's got a foot injury. But still, you know, Kareem Hunt's really came on lately. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT, greatest of all time. Just put put his bus in Canton now. Um, Tyreek Hill, hopefully he can get going. Travis Kelsey should get going. But is there any way that you can finally see, maybe somewhat, somehow, David Johnson has just one of those vintage David Johnson games from two years ago where he puts up 25 fantasy points, or is that just, is that ship sailed for the 2018 season? Sure. Why not? Of course I can. Because <laughs> like I said last week, I've got to be right eventually, right? No, right, yeah. At some exactly. point in the season. Yeah, exactly. I, so. here's, here's what I want to know, though, about what you mentioned, Sammy Watkins. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with his feet? This man has had feet injuries for the last five years. I, I don't get it. Like, just wear a boot the rest of the year after the <laughs> season ends. Seriously, what? Like, how can your feet be that bad? I don't know. I don't know. It's a, but it's an ongoing thing. And um, you know, it, hey, but you know what? He got paid. He got his thirty million guaranteed. Uh, so he's good. Uh, he, he can he can have foot injuries for the rest of his life for all he cares about. He got thirty million. So, um, yeah, that that's just been. An ongoing frustration is for Sammy Watkins' owner, you know, tantalizing with the, the talent he has, but it just he just can't stay on the field. And looks like he'll be missing Week Ten. That means you could pick up a guy like Chris Conley if you're in a pinch at wide receiver, uh, especially if Tyreek Hill. They don't target him too much to, again to try to rest him. I think the the Chiefs have a bye either next week or the week after. Um, but Chris Conley could be a pickup. Uh, he's definitely on your waiver wire. Uh, a lot of players, a lot of fantasy owners don't know who he is, but the fact is that we're degenerates. We know exactly who Chris Conley is. Pick yeah. him up if you need if you need a wide receiver, and uh, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm not going to guarantee he's going to do much, but I'm going to suggest that you pick him up if you're in a major, major, major pinch. Speaking of start, everyone, Atlanta Falcons going to Cleveland, Farky. Talk to me about this Browns offense without Hugh Jackson. 
Well, they did do some things last week. That I don't want to get into a lot of a recap. Some things. They did some things that have improved this offense. Uh, so that's a good thing. Anytime Hughes gone is a good thing, even though we still have Greg Williams. But so Baker has been given a little more freedom to audible out of some plays and change some plays. That was obvious last week, and he made some really good reads. Uh, I think the big thing with Baker, especially heading into this game from a fantasy standpoint in the rest of the season, is he passed the two tests. So he passed the Tampa Bay test from a fantasy standpoint. He passed the Chiefs test from a fantasy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Both those defenses are terrible against the pass. We knew that. So is he going to pull Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold and still take a crap against terrible pass defenses? Or is he going to do what he's supposed to do for fantasy? So I think there's some validity being built up now or some trust with Baker that you can play him against these middle to end of the road defenses. Yeah, no, I agree. Actually, I was looking at him um, in a league where I have Matthew Stafford. And after that Golden Tate trade, I, I really do not trust Matthew Stafford whatsoever. And I'm looking at, you know, is is Baker Mayfield a good start versus Atlanta? I, I think he might be. I mean, Atlanta just picked up Bruce Irvin, the, the D-end. He got cut by the Seahawks. Um, or, I'm sorry, by the Raiders. And, you know, he'll, he'll be active on Sunday, and, and he'll he'll try to get to, to the quarterback. But I still think that with Atlanta's, the, the injuries they have in the secondary, they're vulnerable. And Wait, Here's I, I some think, math for you. So uh, they're 20, hashtag they're 20, math. They're 28th against passing yardage, and they're 30th in passing points allowed. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield – actually, you know what? Baker Mayfield is a great start not only in redraft leagues, but I think in, in DraftKings – and any sort of daily daily fantasy sports, he's probably he, he won't be too expensive. He'll probably be in the second second half of starting quarterbacks price wise. I think you pick up Baker Mayfield this week. I, I like that you do. actually. Yeah, I like it too. Well, now the question is, um, Jarvis Landry's been one of the most inefficient wide receivers in the league this year. Um, can he get it going this week? You think? Okay, so similar to some stats I gave you on Baker, they feed over to, to Landry too. So you, everyone's got to get excited about this connection because the Falcons are just decimated by primary slot receivers all season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely a go-to guy. He's an absolute start wide receiver one. And even though he's averaging those 50 yards, I think, over the overall Baker starts, he's still getting 10.5 targets a game. So Baker's right. not going to go away from He's the man. He's going to demand the targets. Jarvis Landry has a blow-up game this week. Okay, I like that. Uh, I like that in the four leagues that I have him as my wide receiver, too, so we'll go with it. Now, Sean Z is not here to finally run a victory lap and to just finally praise the fact that Julio Jones scored a touchdown. So I'm going to do that for him because I'm invested in Julio in my dynasty league. Thank God he finally scored a touchdown. It was embarrassing how much the announcers were just salivating over the fact that he scored a touchdown and uh, the, these team his teammates are so excited for him because he's worked so hard and hasn't had the opportunity to score a touchdown and the fact that it took until week nine for him to score a touchdown is criminal it, it very frustrating criminal Steve Sarkeesian has finally turned that offense around but I still hate him because Julio's on pace for like 2,000 receiving yards and he has yeah, one touchdown insane. this season how does that work how, there was even a, I, th- I don't know if it was, it was, yeah, it was last week. They're in the red zone. They're on like the one yard line. They take him out of the game. I, it blows my mind. And it's, and it's not like they ran out, you know, Edo Smith in the middle. No, they threw a pass. Why is Julio Jones coming off the field when the team is in the red zone and they're going to pass the ball? It makes no sense to me. It, it's, it's asinine 
that a, 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 a coach can look at his 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 personnel and say, yeah, I want Muhammad Sanu and Justin Hardy to be in instead of Julio Jones uh, in crunch time uh, when we're in the red zone. Awesome. Well, Makes no sense. I can tell you this. It's going to be week two in a row because Denzel Ward and EJ Gaines are both probably going to be on the sidelines. So good luck. If so, you're saying, so you're saying pick up Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. got it. <clears throat> All right. Um, next game we want to talk about is a disgusting game. It's terrible. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. It could be Nathan Peterman playing against Josh McCown now that Sam Darnold's in a walking boot. Farky, I'm not talking about this game. Can you can can you give me permission to move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 that's what Sean would say. This this game sucks. These, <laughs> these teams blow. Go to the next game. Uh, Sean, do you have any, any thoughts on this game? No. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's about All right. right. Detroit Lions at Chicago Bears. Uh, Allen Robinson missed last week with a groin injury. He's practicing this week. It looks like he will be ready to play. Uh, he's been frustrating. You know, I invested in him heavily this offseason in a couple leagues uh, in our Dynasty League, Farkey. I traded Tevin Coleman and Andrew Luck for him, and it hasn't really worked out. Granted, I had Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, Jared Goff and Ben Roethlisberger at the time, so I need a quarterback. But can Allen Robinson – Do you remember when him and Allen Hearns were good? Yes, I do. Long time ago. Long time ago. And, and he was good. They were good with a terrible quarterback. So, you know, I got some flack when I traded uh, for Robinson. And it's, well, have you seen his quarterback, Mitch Trubisky? I was like, well, did you see his quarterback when he had 1,400 yards and, and Blake Bortles? I mean, he. I thought he was going to be back to being that guy. Now, granted, he's still coming off a torn ACL. So I think that means he has to have that year, you know, grace period before he can finally get back. And, uh, you know, and maybe this, this groin injury could be sometimes when when guys overcompensate a little bit for, for a bad injury, they can develop other soft tissue injuries. So I don't know if that's the case, but, you know, is this a game where you think maybe if, if Robinson's healthy, he could break out? Or is he a guy that you really can't trust to start in your starting lineup right now? I, I Honestly, there are weeks that I forget he's in the league. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious until we talk about him on this on this podcast. Um, I don't like him. I don't own him in any leagues. I've, I've actually never owned him, never been a huge fan of him. Um, and plus, I just don't think I was in good spots. But, no, I, if I if I had him, I sure as shit wouldn't be playing him. Yeah, yeah this week uh, in, in our Dynasty League, which I've made a heavy investment in a bunch of wide receivers just because I'm really trying to, uh, to, to go to that next level and, and try to go to the top. I, I have him benched in favor of T.Y. Hilton and Doug Baldwin. Uh, Sony Michelle coming back uh, from his injury, and we'll talk about him later. He's benched over. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that he would be a, a borderline wide receiver too, and he really hasn't shown that whatsoever, which has been frustrating. But, you know, so the way the cookie crumbles. But his teammates, who have been very challenging to project week to week, are uh, Jordan Howard versus Street Cohen. Last week, I started Tariq Cohen. Um, he scored me a whopping three points. I lost by two points. So, very frustrated when I started him over Tevin Coleman, who had a 30-point game. Um, you know, how how can we judge starting either Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen week to week? Well, this week, you can just take it off the board because everyone literally runs the ball down Detroit's throat. So, you're not even going to have to worry about them setting up for any type of passing opportunities. Um, outside of this week, I, I've said it all season. I own Trey Burton. The guy who makes me want to put my head through a wall. <laughs> and, 
And the, and the crazy thing is, their offense is still efficient, and Mitch Trubisky statistically has been efficient. In fact, I saw something on um, on one of the sports shows where they took the names off and they threw the stats up side by side. They were oh, yeah. Very, oh, very yeah. Com- and it was him and Tom Brady. And it's oh, like yeah. he, statistically, <laughs> he's right there. But we know he's not like going to win a, a playoff game. Right. But for fantasy owners, it's just that offense is is just baffling, especially with Tariq Cohen. When, when everyone was really getting excited and we were talking about him on here, and we said, though, if he wasn't getting the targets, that's that's where he was going to lose a lot of value, and he's only had six or seven targets in the air over the last couple weeks. So th- let me just say this. For this week, this podcast, Detroit's so bad against the run, you you can't count on them to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I And I agree with you. I actually think Jordan Howard's a good play because they're just going to do smash-mouth football, I think, uh, and just run up the middle of them. But, you know, this is still a passing league. It, it's still Matt Nagy. Nagy's going to try to get creative with his play call. Um, it's an NFC North rival. They're going to want to definitely put their stamp, you know, hey, we're we're overtaking you here in the NFC North. So maybe they, maybe they come out throwing. But, you know, to your point, Trubisky, I'm trying to think who the, the followers I have on Twitter, but he has scouted – Every single snap from Trubisky this year, and his hot take was Trubisky has gotten better week to week. And I know you and the Zustin Bros are not fans of Trubisky. You guys never have been. Um, when I when I asked Nick Schill if he wanted Allen Robinson or a dynasty league, his response was is Mitch Trubisky still his quarterback. Um, so there's a lot of hate when it comes to Trubisky. I, I don't necessarily disagree with it however i think that that offense is creative enough to make him shine in spots and to make him you know kind of hide his deficiencies so um you know this week again going back to the running backs though i think that we definitely want to focus on looking at jordan however street cohen i'll be facing a start sit um conundrum that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode that involves street cohen but um you know still still the, the Lions, I don't know why they're playing for 2019, but they are after trading Golden Tate and really having no uh, wide receiver one option last week. So uh, I like the Bears in this game, and I like that they're, I like their skill, one or two of their skill position players to have high-end fantasy value in Week 10. There now, a guy who has not had high-end value at all in 2018 is finally making his return after playing four quarters so far of this season – a guy that near and dear to my heart because I'm heavily invested in him, Leonard Fournette, allegedly finally coming back, has been practicing, uh, been doing individual drills, took part in practice for the first time in, in weeks. He will be active, apparently, in week 10 after their bye. I'm starting him. I feel like I have to start him, not only because I think that the Jags' offense is just much better with him in the lineup, I also think that Carlos Hyde, I don't think he's up to snuff with that offense, and they know that they need Leonard Fournette to be successful. So I'm starting him in both the leagues that we're in together. Is that stupid or is that smart? No, I think people that are that have Fournette are stuck with that situation with this mm. time of the year, especially mm-hmm. with all the bye weeks. And especially someone like you who's active on the waiver wire, you probably tried to make, make some concessions to, to fill in for him, but – at this point, you you kind of have to play him. I think he has to be treated as an RB two. Um, I think it's a bad week to have to count on him for a full workload, but I don't think he's going to get it. They're road mm-hmm. dogs. Uh, I think Carlos Hyde's still going to be able to ease some of him 
him a little bit back into the lineup, and then TJ Yeldon, of course, will be a third down option. But uh, for the long haul, yeah, the guy's better than those two. And he's, he, when he plays a full game, which he hasn't done all year, he's the man. But he's just injury after injury. When are we going to get to see him play a full game? So, yeah, unfortunately for guys in your position, I think you have to play him and treat him as an RB2. It's about 50-50 whether that's going to pan out. Yeah. So, we'll see. Hey, that, that, this, this, his taking him 11th overall in the league over Christian McCaffrey and I think even Kareem Hunt will probably forever haunt me. Um, might be the difference between me making and not making the playoffs this year, but you know we'll see. My team is finally starting to think, kind of get their shit together. But uh, I have a big matchup this week. Actually, I got I got the Martin and Foz matchup this week, and then Ooh. next week next week I got Nick Vern. So um, I like my chances this week. Next week eh, it's gonna be a little shaky, but you know just get me in the playoffs. Let me win one. We'll see how it goes from there. But another running back. On that, uh, in that game will be Marlon Mack, who's still limited with a foot injury. I like to hope that he's healthy because he was dynamic uh, in week seven and eight. He missed week, uh, they had a bye last week. So, a little concerning that even coming off a bye, he's still limited. Uh, that foot injury could cost, you know, him this, this week. And Marlon Mack was, again, like I said, an RB1 in week seven and eight. So, uh, if he's not available, Naeem Hines goes into that position or again you know the uh the Jags will be missing cornerback AJ Bouye so the the Colts could focus on the passing game it means T.Y. Hilton Jack Doyle and the Eric Ebron could all get a bump so we'll see how his status plays out um but the next game Miami Dolphins at Green Bay Packers Farky are you all aboard the Marquez Valdez Scantling train yet or are you still not a believer I'm on board. He's he's made it clear that that's somebody that he trusts now. So I just picked him up in one of our one of my non leagues. It's associated with any of the guys that we chat with. But uh, yeah, I like him, and I've watched it week after week where he's gone after him, and it's like, okay, it's time we can believe now. We talk a lot about on this pod from week to week. Uh, when have we seen enough to make it consistent? I think that's really mm-hmm. I agree. Geronimo Allison, uh, groin injury. He's on to the IR. Uh, Randall Cobb stinks. He just isn't good anymore. And Scantling has made some big plays against the Patriots on Monday yeah. Night Football. He had two, or on Sunday Night Football, he had two really nice catches back to back. He had a long catch before that, finished with over 100 yards and three catches. Uh, I really like him. Uh, again, a guy that uh, Nick, we, we mentioned Nick Vern. And for the for the listeners who don't know Nick Vern, and that's Shyster. a lot of you, Shyster is a strong word. He is a um, snake oil salesman. How about that? There you go. <laughs> so uh, in our dynasty league, uh, my my team, I dropped Marquez Valdez Scantling after I picked him up you know, off waivers after the rookie draft, and Vern swooped in and picked him up, and uh, I haven't heard the end of it about how Valdez Scantling is going to be a top fifty dynasty option next year, or how he's get his bust ready in Canton, or how he's you know he runs a four three seven. How could you drop this guy? And I'm having some some seller's remorse in that regard. Uh, I was able to pick him up in one league. I tried to make a play for him in our league, Farky. Um, if, I don't know if you yeah. saw on the, uh, the the trade waiver wire, but I or the trade wire, but I I moved um, Elijah McGuire for uh, Corey Davis. I was trying to get Valdez Scantling, which I'm shocked if you told me four months ago that I'd be trading Elijah. I'd be trading Elijah McGuire for Corey Davis. I tell you, you're crazy because there's no way that Corey Davis is worth that at this point. But Again, here we are on November 7th. You know what Nick Vern reminds me of? That he would have been a great 
period for him to live in is back in like the Marco Polo area, trying to trade on the Silk Trail and over the West <laughs> Indies and, and all that stuff. Just just ha- hanging around with the merchants. Mm, I like that, and, and just having an ear ear to the ground everywhere, knowing knowing everything that's going on, so he could strengthen his position when he's when he's making those deals. I like that. I like that. But uh, no, Valdez Scantling, I think, is a real option in fantasy. I think that he's got wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver three at the worst case scenario value for the rest of the year. He was on our waiver wire article pickup, I think, probably three weeks ago. So if you missed out on that, sorry. Uh, right now, I think you should definitely try to to work the trade. Work the phones, get him, get him, get this guy in trade if possible. His value is only going up, and if you try to buy him low now, you might have a shot. But uh, I think for the rest of the season, he's going to put up very solid numbers for you. So uh, I'm a believer in him. Now on the Miami side of the ball, I mean, again, what's there to talk about there? Uh, what what were the Packers at this year? I don't even know what their uh, what the spread is this week. Uh, this week, I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's got to be at least ten, right? Uh, probably somewhere in there. Miami. Here's the thing. Miami's defense has shown glimmers of success yeah. in certain yeah. games week to week. Um, and then of course there's the whole story and dialogue about Aaron Rodgers being past his prime. But I, I still think they're going to throw the ball well. I think that I think the only like must start this week is Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers guys, owners of course probably have to start him. But I think an absolute trust guy would be Devontae Adams. But other yeah. than that, I don't love I don't love anyone in this game. No, no. And I think that with the Dolphins, the, to your point about the defense, maybe at home but playing at Lambeau, I mean, here's the thing. If it's a 10-point spread, I'm taking I'm taking the Packers all day. 10 point, I mean, even if it's four, uh, 14, I wouldn't take that. But 10 points, I, I would probably take that. So uh, we'll, we'll take – like I said, I haven't even looked at the spreads this week. I'll release them uh, for our pick them pick uh, sheet tomorrow. But I have not even looked at it at all this week. But what I have looked at is the New England Patriots, how they're playing. They're playing well. They're playing Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. I think that this is a huge dud game for the Titans' offense, and especially their passing game, and that's not a hot take because their passing game stinks anyways. We mentioned Corey Davis before. Um, you know, Stephon Gilmore and, and former Brown, Jason McCourty, are the, is the top tandem, according to Pro Football Focus. And Stephon Gilmore has turned into probably a top three, top four corner in this league. And... He will shut people down, and on top of that, Marcus Merritt stinks. So I really think from the Tennessee side of the ball, the only guy I'm starting here is Deion Lewis because I think he's turned into the true number one running back on that team. Any thoughts on that? No, I, I like that. What I, what I was going to say about this game in general is that it's going to be completely biased for me on who I, who I recommend playing because I am the biggest Patriots fan in the world this week. In, in Sean's league, Brownstown, I lost by two points. Um, in a, it was almost a must-win game. Kept me just under 500. I'm three and five now in that league, and I started the Dallas defense, which I don't care on paper. That was one of the best defensive plays last week. Yeah, and they yeah. absolutely killed me against the Titans. So guess what? I may go buy a Patriots jersey this week to wear. <laughs> Do you want me to send you? I'll send you a Brady uh, red vintage jersey. How about that? I got yeah, it from China, and it's about. I got it from China for like 30 bucks, and it's about four sizes too big. How about that? It, this is they, they get their payback this week. I mean, you can. We're talking about absolute must starts. It's Tom Brady. I'm putting Josh Gordon in that now. I'm, I'm believing in him going in him. Julian Edelman. I like James White. Um, I own Deion Lewis, but I don't know if I can even stomach playing the Tennessee Titans. 
So so here's the thing. Let's let's talk real quick a starter set. Um in my dynasty league, salary cap league, I started Tom Brady over Jared Goff last week, lost by three points. Very frustrating because um, if, if Brady threw a touchdown to anybody other than Josh Gordon, I would have won because the, the other guy was starting Gordon. But the fact is, is I had Jared Goff who put up 30-plus points. I don't think that I trust Tom Brady as the same top five guy he's always been for the past 10 or so years anymore, especially without Rob Gronkowski. And... I'm leaning towards benching him this week against Tennessee. Uh, Tell me, talk me out of that. Talk me out of that. Okay, here's why I disagree with that. I disagree with it because the yardage is still there. So it's a product of what their system has evolved into. They are given the touchdowns to the backfield. And I think in the last couple of years, you've still seen him hit, you know, a lot of swing passes or flare passes out of the backfield in the red zone. But uh, they've just gotten a lot better running the ball. That used to be the knock on the Patriots, right? They couldn't run the ball that well, and they yep. you know, had all these great wide receivers. They're better now. Um, so uh, from a production standpoint, I, I think you're still in the ballgame because he's thrown it. Even the last two games where he's lacked some touchdowns, he's still thrown for 300 yards in both those games. So um, what you obviously can't control is how they're going to continue to run that offense when they get into the red zone. But I, I would not be concerned about it being from Tom Brady's end. Yeah, I think maybe maybe it's just more of the fact that I'm able to start a guy like Jared Goff, who's been fantastic this year and averaging about three more points a game than Brady in, in fantasy this year. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those things, too. It's funny. I, I benched Tom – this league I went 6-0 and to start the season, and I benched Brady in week seven. I forget who they're playing, and they lost. My team lost. And then I started Brady, my team lost. And then this week I started Brady again, and my team lost – mainly because he took three kneels at the end of the game, and I went from being up 0.2 points to being down 0.1 point. So uh, to me, he's just throwing that in my face, like this is what you get for for benching me. And Tom Brady is a golden god in my household. We all know that as a Pats mm-hmm. fan. So uh, it's just it's just karma. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one. I, I'm still leaning towards benching Brady as long as Gronk's out. Uh, and with Gronk, I don't even know what to expect from him anymore. I've, I've made – I made two trades for him this year, and neither has worked out in my favor whatsoever. Last week, I traded for him with the Zustin Bros. I got Cal Rudolph. I gave up Cal Rudolph and some picks in our dynasty league, and Gronk's out for the week. So, um, frustrating in that regard. But have they know, ruled him out this week? I think so. They should. In buys uh, next week, right? Right. Right. I yeah, wouldn't we, even play. I wouldn't even play him. Yeah, they probably won't. So I don't know. It's very frustrating in that, in that regard, but I really can't complain too, too much. All right, um, New Orleans Saints at Cincinnati Bengals. So we, we already talked about the Saints a bit with Des Bryant coming to town. Uh, I expect him – I don't know if he'll be active this week, but he, probably. Uh, I'd be shocked if they, if they did not start him because they are so thin at wide receiver. But Mark Ingram, can you trust him this week? Because he's been terrible the past two weeks. He has to get. He has to get touchdowns now. He's so touchdown dependent, and he hasn't figured into their into their red zone equation, which has been really odd because yeah, Alvin Kamara is is obviously a, a gift to any offense, but just simple simple football 
game planning math would tell you give someone like Mark Ingram the ball at least one time in there and let him pound it up in and keep the defense honest. But they're getting it completely away from that. So yeah. I don't think, you know what, I, that's a tough question because I, I did buy back into Mark Ingram after last year, and I do like him. I think he, he does run hard. I think he finds holes. He's, he's one of those guys that people kind of bounce off of a little bit. But if they're not going to give him the ball, what, how's he supposed to do anything? So I would say lay off for another week. Yeah, and part of the reason why I was in on him this year, uh, I traded for him early in the season. I drafted him, I think, in the fifth or sixth round in a couple leagues, is because he was a solid Low end RB one, high end RB two, even with Alvin Kamara, and and with the same workload expected this year at least. I, I I'm I'm shocked that he hasn't been you know getting three, four, five catches a game and and finding the end zone and, and being productive rushing wise. I mean, obviously in his first game back from suspension, we saw two touchdowns, which was awesome, but he hasn't found the end zone since, and he's been in starting lineups and really hasn't been producing. So, you know, this week I currently have Deion Lewis over him in my starting lineup. Of course, because I'm doing that, Ingram will probably blow up and score two touchdowns, which frustrates the hell out of me. But I just I don't think you can really trust him right now. Uh, I'm looking for other options other than him. Uh, we had one of our followers on Twitter, Chase, sent us a text saying or, or a message saying, would you trade LaShawn McCoy for Mark Ingram? And... Really, there, it's pick your poison. I mean, do you want uh, uh, an effective player and an effective offense, or do you want a, 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 a an effective player who isn't being utilized? And I, I told him, you know. Go ahead. What would you tell Well, I, I, I told him, I, I said, go with Ingram, but I don't feel comfortable with either guy. You can't, you cannot give up Mark Ingram for someone like LaShawn McCoy. And, and I'll be the first one to defend the way LaShawn McCoy looks on the field. But you're talking about an offense that's probably top three in the league. So Mark Ingram is going to be involved in scoring opportunities every single week, whether he's getting them or not. There are no opportunities in Buffalo. Zero. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about a team that has the ability to blow other teams out to where they're going to control the clock and run the ball, which is where Mark Ingram is also going to pick up points. And that's not happening in Buffalo either. So to me, it's a no-brainer, regardless of how evenly they've scored so far this year. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like I said, I was I was pro uh, Ingram over over Lashawn McCoy. I mean, if you're in a pinch, both guys might score uh, similar points, but it's Ingram who has a touchdown upside. So I would say go with Ingram. But a guy, tell me if you trust this guy right now. But Tyler Boyd, who we've waxed poetic about, not only on the website www.ngpodcast.com, but also we've talked about him at length on the pods as well. AJ Green out for at least two weeks with a toe injury. Might need surgery, could see more time out. Do you trust Tyler Boyd as the true wide receiver one for Cincinnati, or will he struggle when he sees the the, the number one cornerbacks uh, moving forward? There's there's no one behind Boyd that you could trust to pick up. So, so when Green's not playing, he's leaving almost 10 targets on the field. Mm-hmm. There's no one behind Boyd, I think, that you can count on to pick that up as effectively as he will. Plus, he's got the benefit of playing inside, which we know in the league, Adam Thielen, is a, a huge benefit. Um, yeah, I, I love Tyler Boyd, especially this week. I, I, I would be all in on him. The only, so you, the only people, the only people that that I think are maybe a, on that same level with what his workload's going to become is someone like you know Cooper Cup or maybe Adam Thielen. So you don't think that because 
there's no attention paid to AJ Green that that will not negatively impact Tyler Boyd moving forward? Well, I, I read something earlier today where the last time AJ Green left the game, which was week three, he had six catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. No, well, there you go. So that 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 tells us a lot. So, um, you know, to that point, uh, that that's 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 a great hot take. Thank you for the hashtag math. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think that uh, with Tyler Boyd, I've always been saying, you know, week in week out, he's wide receiver two. Uh, with he has upside now. I think that he's got upside for wide receiver one, but. Um, you know, especially to Farkey's point there with six catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. So uh, I feel good about that. Thank you for, for easing my mind a little bit. You got um, it. Yeah. Washington Redskins at your second team here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Adrian Peterson has been somewhat of a – what's the word? I don't even know what the word is. It's not a – redemption story it's not a, a freak sob story it's been a freak freak he's been a freak this year he's been fantastic was on pace for 1300 yards before last week well last week he had nine rushes for 17 yards and now half of the redskins offensive line is out either for the season or for an extended period of time so that means even against a weak tampa bay def- defensive line and just defense in general he's going to be running behind second tier linemen do you still trust adrian peterson moving forward yeah, I trust him, but I think that it's depending on who they're playing. So Tampa Bay is a team that I trust him against. Uh, if they've got Washington's got three losses, right? So in those three losses, he's been an RB 38 or lower. I'm sorry, mm. 37 or lower, which tells me that if you nail a game script against Adrian Peterson, then he's going to be in trouble. He's, he's a very predictable back. Uh, you know, he, he causes a lot of his own success, which is why he's so incredible. But against a team like Tampa Bay, yeah, I trust him. Okay. I, I think I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on that one. Um, again, in, in the one league where I'm ch- choosing between Mark Ingram and Deion Lewis, Adrian Peterson's in play as well, but I'm starting Adrian Peterson as well as Dion, uh, and then Elvin Kamara is my RB one in that league, so I feel comfortable with that decision. Uh, but when we, you know, get into, I've had a lot of people ask me questions about what should I do with Adrian Peterson? Should I trade for him? Should I trade him for so and so? I would not be targeting him right now just because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the fact is, he's a 33 year old running back with a ton of mileage. He's gonna fall off a little bit eventually, and especially now with the running with the, the lineman situation being what it is. He would not be a guy that I'm targeting right now. I don't think he's going to help in the stretch run. If you can move him for great value now, do it. If not, just ride him to the wheels fall off, and, and you know we'll, we'll go from there. So that, that's my thoughts on that. I would just worry about who he has the rest of the year, and it's not that it, his matchups aren't that fantastic. Now, Dallas sucked against Tennessee, but they've, they've had a pretty decent uh, run defense this season. He's got Dallas. He's got Philly. He's got Jacksonville. He's got Philly twice. So it's not necessarily a real prime second half for him. Right, sure. All right, uh, we have the the Chargers at the Raiders. <laughs> All right, start everybody on the Chargers, right? Play everyone. Play everyone. I think the only guy I trust in the Raiders is Jalen Richard week to week. Don't trust Carr. Don't trust Martavis Bryant, Jordy Nelson. I don't trust Jared Cook, Jalen Richard, and nobody else. What are your thoughts? Yeah, agreed. There's All not right. a ton to talk about on this game, although the, the Rams are fun to talk about. All right, so let's talk about the Rams. Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. Start everyone, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the better, one guy, a better game though, right? But the one, yeah, very much better game. But the one guy 
near and dear to your heart, Chris Carson. What's going on with him? It's a shame because it had <laughs> it. It really is. I mean, what the it's hell else shame. can happen? It's a shame. <laughs> he finally, we finally got sold on Chris Carson, which I had been all year. But he had the three or four hundred yard games in a row, and he's had this nagging injury that he's played through actually the last three weeks or so. But Gosh, they're talking about him possibly not even being a, a, a play this week right. in real life. Not we're not talking about fantasy, but on the field. So I picked up Mike. Mike uh, Davis. Yeah. Yep. And no, Mike so, Davis is the guy to pick up. I, I've actually had a few other people on Twitter ask me, do I start Mark da- Mike Davis? Do I pick him up? And and really what I'm saying is right now, Chris Carson with a hip injury, still questionable to play, you know, day to day. He was my number two waiver wire pickup in an article. I say pick him up if you have a spot for him, but obviously it's all going to come down to whether or not Chris Carson can play. And if Chris Carson is active, and you just you, you can't start Mike Davis, unfortunately. No. And, 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 and as a Carson, Davis could easily play. That's the thing. Like Chris Carson could go down early, or you know, or Davis could be the starter. But if if, if Chris Carson is there. You just can't trust Pete Carroll to definitely say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to play this guy, and he's going to be you know a, a, an option this week." Yeah, and as a two league Carson owner who's been close to this hip thing, it's this has actually been running for about five weeks now or so. It's just unfortunately over the last two weeks with his workload increasing and taking over the bulk of all the targets and, and carries, he's really aggravated that thing. So be weary. Yeah. So. Um... You know, we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, again, with Pete Carroll, he, take anything he says with a grain of salt, just because liar. the guys, the guys, <laughs> he's a coward liar. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, other than that, I mean, obviously with Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson, even Tyler Lockett, maybe even Nick Vanette if you need a, t- a tight end, Nick Vanette could be an option. The Rams still do struggle to stop tight ends. So, uh, you know, those are definitely all options. And then, of course, you're starting Jared Goff, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley. Um, you would start, start Gurley? I, I think about it. I think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I consider it. It's <laughs> worst game of the season last week with just under 20 points. Yeah, that's crazy how good a season is. Um, all right. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys at Philadelphia Eagles. Golden Tate's Philadelphia debut. What do you expect from him? Well, I think he's going to get targets. Carson Wentz is smart enough to know that they've upgraded the position, so I, I would absolutely hope that they would try to get him involved. Um, I think he has more of a wide receiver three appeal, unfortunately, in this game. Um, he'll get the targets, but but Ertz has really been kind of the, the golden guy for them, mm-hmm. and, and Wentz now has settled back into that offense. He's back to his normal routine. Um, Ertz is always going to be a, a big factor. So... Uh, Golden Tate, I think he will get better, and, and he probably could creep up into wide receiver too, but I'm still a little weary on him this week. Yeah, I mean, he was a target monster in Detroit the past few years. To your point, Zach Ertz gets at least 10 targets a game. Alshon Jeffrey will get five, six, seven targets. So you got to figure that Golden Tate will be number three in the pecking order, and that's not great for his fantasy outlook. Yeah, I got him in our league. Uh, I'm not thrilled in his landing spot. I think he overtakes Nelson Aguilar, who's been subpar this year, but I still do not feel comfortable with the fact that he's he's the third option. So uh, I'm starting him, though. I like wide receiver three numbers. I think that's what we can expect from him. And um, you got to start him. I mean, just because that offense still is explosive, 
Dallas Dallas defense is decent. They're not great, so I don't, I'm not scared of the defense by any means. I'm just more scared of the situation. So uh, Golden Tate will be starting for me, but uh, you know, again, Zach Ertz, um, Carson Wentz is a start. Obviously, on the the Dallas side of the ball, we can definitely start Zeke and Amari Cooper is he's a start as well. Other than that, I don't feel super comfortable with anybody. Is there anybody else on your radar that you're thinking about on either team? I think it's only fair since I brought it up at the end of last week's pod that I mentioned Josh Adams. I'll be interested to see how he's rotated in. Um, mm-hmm. we've, with it's, it could be up to a four-back rotation with Darren Sproles involved now and, and yep. possibly coming mm-hmm. back with Clement and Smallwood. But I do know two weeks ago when I did pick him up heading into their bye week, he, he was coming off of. I think like nine carries for 63 yards. He was very productive with what he got. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that expands. Yeah, especially coming off the bye, maybe they'll try to give him a bigger role because Clement and Smallwood have not been difference makers. And I think they definitely need that running that running game to get going in order to be a little bit more successful. So I, I like that. I like that idea of of of, of Josh Adams. Um, you know, definitely not starting him anywhere. But if you want to pick him up in waivers or in your free agency right now, if you have an extra spot on your bench. I don't think it's a bad idea. Well, the other thing, too, last point, is that I, this that position is really, really important for them to get figured out before the end of the season because they're going to be in the mix with everyone else that we talk about at the top of the NFC. And unless they get that figured out, they're going to have a hard time making any any wiggle in the playoffs. <laughs> Speaking of top of the NFC, we have the New York Giants at San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. How exciting is that game going to be? <laughs> they just took the shitty Thursday games and flipped it to Monday night. I know. Go figure. So um, our friend uh, Mike at Bankers Loves Naps on Twitter, he writes our, our Saturday-Sunday articles about his bets, the Super Contest. He has invested heavily in Nick Mullins in both dynasty leagues, I'm in with him. In in uh in our league, he put down half his. So we start with two hundred dollars at the beginning of the season. He put down one hundred and two dollars on his free agent auction bid, and then in another league, I'm in with him. Uh, usually put down a thousand dollars, or you have a thousand dollars to start with. He just put down seven hundred dollars to pick up Nick Mullins off off waivers. <laughs> I mean, he's starting week ten. He lit up the Raiders, which really isn't saying much, but does Nick Bollins have a future in the NFL, or is, or is this just uh, he just threw the, num- the money at him and he's just wasting that free agent auction bid? I enjoy Mike's articles, and he does a great job. Um, fantastic contributor to the pod and the Twitter handle. <laughs> However, there is not a stratosphere that I could imagine <laughs> where Nick Mullins is – is regularly completing 70% of his passes and mm. 12 yards per attempt. So I love an underdog story. Love a no-name white quarterback coming into the league and, and just <laughs> chucking it and playing well. It ain't happening. Ray ain't coming home. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to say he looked really – I mean, the, the, there's some guys, you see them throw a football and you're like, he is not an NFL player. Like Brett Hundley, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, those guys where they just looked terrible under pressure. You know, Nick Mullins looks like he can be an NFL player. Now, I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm not saying he's a fantasy football contributor. But there were times where he looked like a true player in this league. So, with that being said, I actually don't hate just throwing money at him this late in the season. You know, he knows where he's at and actually in both leagues. In both leagues, he's a playoff contender. Um, 
as a what if. You know, it's not like he's given up like a first round rookie pick in a dynasty league. No, he's given up free agent money. You know, at this point, there's really not a ton on the waiver wire because we're so far into the season. Yeah, of course, there could be injuries or there will be injuries between now and, and week 16, but none that I think would really move the needle too, too much. And in that case, I actually love the risk. I say, screw it. What's the worst that could happen? If it doesn't work out, whatever, you lose a few bucks. Um, but Nick Mullins did light the world on fire on Thursday night. He played well against the Raiders, the, the pathetically hapless Raiders. I put money on the Raiders. You know, the Raiders are favored, or the Raiders are underdogs, home dogs at two and a half. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they got this guy, Nick Mullins, an undrafted free agent who has never sniffed a, an NFL field. There's no way the Raiders lose this game. And what happens? They get they get lit up by Nick Mullins. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it's it's something. It'll be an interesting storyline that the Monday Night Football crew will just beat to a pulp. Uh, we'll hear over and over again about Nick Mullins' life story, how he's a true underdog. Jason how about this? How about it? How about this? If he throws for 300 yards, I'll buy a Nick Mullins jersey, and I'll take a picture, and we can post it on the Twitter handle. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. If Nick Mullins throws for 300 yards, Farky is buying a Nick Mullins jersey and we'll post it on our Twitter handle at Glory Podcast. So I am 1,000% on the Nick Mullins bandwagon at this point now. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, other than that, really not a lot to talk about. Obviously, George Rasheem Kittle. Most, George Kittle, great. Must start. Um, Rasheem Mostert, terrible injury, broken arm, done for the season. Matt Breed is still a good start. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, obviously you got Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, must starts. And then Sterling Shepard is a solid wide receiver three, maybe a flex option for you. Um, but other than that, I don't like a lot of the – I mean, I don't trust Marquise Goodwin yet. And he had a 55-yard touchdown, I believe, either last week or two weeks ago. Um, so if you're in a pinch at wide receiver, start him. Again, same with Garcon. Obviously, if, if Mullins is a step up from C.J. Beathard, then they should be the benefactors of that. But the number one option on the receiving game will definitely be George Kittle. So, um, yeah. George Kittle played – did he play wide out in college? I don't know. It's a good question. I couldn't tell he, you. He literally looks like he's skinnier than some wide outs in this league. And <laughs> he leads all tight ends and yards after catch, which tells me he should be playing wide out. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, real quick before we wrap up, let's talk about some starter sit or trade advice that we've been hearing about on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Feel free to send us messages, you know, tweets. Should I start this guy? Should I start this guy? Should I trade for this guy? You know, we're, we're happy to talk about it. Um, so the first one from my buddy Chase, uh, Jarvis Landier and Chris Thompson for Zeke Elliott in a PPR league. Which side do you like in this one, Farkey? The only way that that's an even trade to me or that somebody could benefit with Jarvis Landry and Chris Thompson is if you know Chris Thompson's healthy and is going to get targets, and that's not the case. So I would say stay with Zeke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Actually, he'd be getting Zeke in this scenario, and I, I said go with Zeke just because I don't know what's going on with Thompson. Obviously, Jarvis Landry, we mentioned, he has a good matchup this week. I think he has a big week. Wide receiver one numbers, I agree with you on that, Farkey. But still, Zeke is Zeke. He's a wider, he's a running back one each week, and um, if you can get that opportunity, you definitely do it, especially with Chris Thompson banged up. So we're both on the Zeke side here. Uh, this is actually for me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, hand up. Would you go uh, Austin Eckler or Mark Ingram this week? This is a start, not a trade. This is a start. Yeah. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yep, start. Um, remind me who the Saints have. Saints get Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Saints get Cincinnati, and Austin Eckler's playing Oakland. 
Yeah, Eckler. Yeah, I, I got I got Ingram in there now because the Bengals' deep rushing defense is, is one of the worst in the league. But to, to you know the, the the Chargers might not try to push Melvin Gordon too too much. They might give Austin Eckler a little bit more run this week. So I'm leaning towards Eckler too. It's going to be a coin flip uh, game time decision. You know you know what annoys me on Eckler is he's he's so consistent, but he's not high enough to where you can feel good playing him each week. But he is. He's a solid freaking fantasy player, but he just doesn't get to that 12, 13 points each week. Perfect example was against the Browns. He did not touch the ball until like the fourth quarter. And by the time he did, in the fourth quarter, he had like three straight runs where he racked up 40, 50 yards. Right, so it's like, exactly. Where was that? <laughs> they didn't give him the ball at all in the first half. So, uh, now, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you have a, a top five option like Melvin Gordon right. at running back. Just this, unfortunately, Eckler's. Uh, opportunities to go by the wayside but i think that maybe they're starting to see melvin gordon kind of uh get banged up a little bit so maybe they give a little bit of the workload to eckler you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how that plays out all right uh final starter sit in a ppr league who do you like more treat cohen or tevin coleman tevin coleman no hesitation really so so is that is that more of the we talked about um jordan howard having a bigger role this week against detroit yep. or okay or do you 100%. think that so what do you think Tevin Coleman does this week? Uh, similar to his 30-point game last week or more like a 10-point game? No, I, I, I like him over 10. I like him around 13. Okay, I think that's fair. You know, he, Coleman has been a little bit of a disappointment uh, so far this season as the, the, the go-to running back with Devonta Freeman on the IR. But, uh, you know, last week he had two touchdowns, 30-plus fantasy points, and I think I'm leaning I'm, – I'm in lockstep with you on this one too. I think I like Tevin Coleman to be a, an RB1 again this week. Um, as as the Falcons, but they play the Browns, right? Yeah, so there you go. But um, All right, Farkey, well, we talked week nine. We talked week ten. We did some start and sit. We did some trade advice. Anything else you want to leave the people before we break off? Another week for the Browns, another opportunity, another week without Hugh. So no matter <laughs> what, it's a good week. All right, I like that. We are the Never Ending Glory Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Never Ending Glory Podcast. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on the podcast app. Rate us five stars. Please, please, please tell all your friends. And uh, check out our blog, www.negpodcast.com. Farky, we also have the College Football Podcast. Their Twitter handle is negpodcfb. When are you guys recording this week? Tomorrow night. All right, so look out for that episode, hopefully Friday morning, if our producer Burris gets his shit together, fingers crossed. Um, And, uh, yeah, like I said, feel free to reach out to us on all social media. Good luck this weekend, Farky, in your fantasy football conquest, as well as your betting, not only for college, but also for the pro league, for the NFL. And uh, I'll do my best as well. uh, Same to you. Same to you. All right. All right, we will talk to you guys next week to recap week 10. Look forward to week 11 of the fantasy football season. Good night.